Hello everyone, welcome again to the Denver Medical Files. I am Christian Espanya-Schmidt, I'm a physician and I will be your host. Um, the Denver Medical Files is a podcast dedicated to the internal medicine community and is not intended for medical advice. So today we're going to talk about gun violence and uh, if this is a public health problem. After all the the last uh, few um mass shootings, we need to ask ourselves if this is a public health problem. So just let's, uh, for starters, uh, think about how many uh, people has died uh, secondary to uh, gun-related deaths uh, in 2022. So the day I checked that, which is um, a week and so ago, um, this year have been 18,346 deaths, homicide 8,182, and suicide, 10,164. For starters, we know that a person who wants to commit suicide and has the means to commit suicide is more likely to kill uh, themselves. So having a gun, for sure, is not something safe or something that you want a suicidal person to have. Mass shootings so far have been 233 the day I check. However, after that, there have been two more notorious mass shootings. So far, the number of children below age 11 is 152, which is large, 152 too many. And number of teens killed is 543. This is ages between 11 and 18. Now, something that everyone says, I, I want a gun for defensive use from the 18,000 deaths. So 476 deaths uh, are associated to self-defense. Uh, this is what the statistics says, and we, we don't know if this number is, is real, less, or a little bit more. Now, another tragedy by itself is the unintentional deaths. It's 620. 620 people have been killed by guns during during this year in an unintentional way. So this has been accidents because guns are are, are loaded improperly or they, they, they are uh, handled improperly. Let's revisit that number. The number of gun-related deaths that the, the day I checked was 80,346 and plus 15,000 injuries. So this this is our decent numbers, and I, I feel that they need an analysis. We're going to talk more about mass shootings, but we need to define a mass shooting. So a mass shooting is a shooting where four or more people are killed, and this is not counting the killer or shooter. So uh, how many mass shootings are caused by legal arms? Well, that's, that's interesting because most of mass shootings are caused by uh, legally obtained arms or, or guns. Two-thirds of all mass shootings are caused by legally obtained uh, sh- uh, arms. So it's very important that we understand that putting arms or, 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 or guns in, uh, to the public, it seems not a great idea. So... Guns at home make uh, make home less safe, and seems like sixty four percent of mass shootings occur at home. One in four victims are children, so one in four victims are kids. And 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 this this is illustration. The next one, talking about kids and mass shootings at home. Again, sixty four percent of mass shootings happen at home. This is a case at Rivera Beach, Orlando, Florida. A shooter killed his wife, his stepchildren, 
10, 11, 12, and 14-year-old, and also injured a 15-year-old. He took himself, uh, his life, and so that, that counts uh, six people that died that day. And this specific person showed uh, signs of violence, and but however, despite that, uh, he was able to obtain a legal gun and kill all the family and himself. He did not use an assault weapon, and then we're going to talk about an assault weapon. Now, 9% of shootings include home and public, public shooting. So in December 2012, a 20-year-old man shot and killed 26 people. This very near Denbury Hospital in a town called Sandy Hook. This is a high-profile case. 20 of the victims were children between 6 and 7 years old, and 6 were adult staff members. Earlier that day, this man also, uh, before driving to school, killed his mother at New- in Newtown, and then he used an assault weapon. It is very important that he never showed or there, there are no recordings of showing uh, violence or an intent of violence, and he got an assault weapon legally. 30% of mass shootings are public and do not involve anyone in the household, and in June 12, 2016, an armed male fatally shot 49 people and uh, wounded 53 in a gay club in Orlando. More than a dozen armed people engaged with the shooter before Fadi shooting him. He used an assault weapon that he obtained legally. Very important, there were no evident signs that this person was going to cause a mass shooting. So I have used the term assault weapon a few times now, and uh, I want to just make sure that everyone knows what an assault weapon is. So an assault weapon is a term that is used in the United States to describe a semi-automatic weapon and that can change magazines and host uh, uh, more ammunition or change the magazines to host more ammunition faster. This is what an assault weapon is. However, there is also another important uh, piece that is noted that most experts agree that an assault weapon need to have a good accuracy in the range of 300 feet or more, so 100 meters, 300 feet, or more, in, in order to be called an assault weapon. The most famous assault weapon that I know is the AR-15 here in America, um, the AK-47 in, in, in the Soviet uh, uh, region, and uh, many variants of the AR-15 are sold in the United States as a rifle or, or a hunting rifle. The age to buy buy an AR-15 in America, it's about 18 years old, everywhere. While uh, to buy a pistol, which is mostly a defensive gun, is 21 years. The AR-15 was invented by Eugene Stoner, and he did believe, uh, or he did make this uh, weapon for war. It was produced by the Armalite Corporation, and that's why it's the name AR, because Armalite, AR-15. It was, it was thought, thought from the beginning in an effort to outmatch the AK-47 from the Soviets, and it consists of .223 cartridge that is effective at distance of 500 meters, that's 1,500 feet, and has a weight of about 6.5 pounds when it's fully charged, in that, which makes it ideal for the battlefield because you can have a potent uh, weapon 
that you can carry uh, around the battlefield without much effort. It has a high velocity ammunition, and that ammunition usually travels at about 1,000 meters per second, and that's about uh, 3,300 feet per second. This is about three times faster than the famous .380 gun from James Bond movie. So that's a high velocity. And James Bond does not use a high velocity weapon, basically. A higher velocity, of course, higher energy and more damage. And this uh, specific uh, bullet is made to create as more damage as possible. So uh, in October 2017, uh, talking about high-velocity rounds and mass shootings, in Las Vegas, Nevada, a shooter uh, equipped with a semi-automatic rifle was able to kill 60 people and injure 411 people more. He was shooting uh, from the window of his hotel during the Route 91 Music Festival in Las Vegas, and this was only possible due to the use of high-velocity and large-range weapon, in this case a variant of the AR-15. Very important that we understand that high-velocity weapons and any trauma surgeon or forensic will tell you that this is where they, they will have more problems to treat a, a, a wound and people will die easier or have more uh, consequences from that shooting. Now, I want to jump now into something that concerns us too, it's mass shootings in hospitals. And because of the recent case in to- near Tulsa, I, I want to talk about that. And in the nearest uh, article I can found is that in 2012, uh, in Annals of Internal Medicine, there is uh, an article that says that being killed by a firearm in a hospital is uh, the chances are like being struck by lightning. As someone who has treated people who has been struck by lightning, I know that that's, the chance is not zero. The study concluded, concluded that the shooter in the hospital is usually determined and has a target, and of course, the chances are not zero. So again, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a gunman went after a surgeon who he blamed for his back pain. He also killed a fellow physician who was in front of the surgeon and a receptionist and a patient. The shooting ended when the patient took his life. The same day, in Dayton, Ohio, in a less publicized case, an inmate managed to disarm an armed guard and shot him before taking his life. So in a hospital in Dayton, Ohio, an inmate was able to to disarm a good guy with a gun and uh, shoot the good guy with a gun and kill himself. So let's jump to the next one, a good guy with a gun. Right after the massacre at Uvalde, Texas, there were 19 children that were killed and two teachers. So the NRA convention took place in Houston just a few days later. Many keynote speakers said that the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. This narrative is heard again and again along with other non-proven solutions for the problem. So let's think about the good guy with a gun. Seems like when you check uh, the trends, uh, mass shootings stop when the shooter wants. And uh, in Uvalde, it is noted that the police, the good guys with guns, failed to respond effectively to the shooting. This is not only Uvalde in Sandy Hook, Las Vegas, and Rivera, Florida. The shooting only stopped when the killer took his life. Uh, In Uvalde, uh, 
and the Parkland shooting, uh, the police again failed to stop the shooter before a large number of kids were killed. So as a corollary, the same day there were two shootings in different hospitals and actually one of the shootings was thanks to the fact that there was a good guy with a gun and this guy was disarmed and uh, his own gun was used against him and the inmate killed himself. So let's continue to talk about good guys with guns. Also, a good guy with a gun may not want to de-escalate the conflict. And we see this in many high-profile cases of shootings involve police officers killing unarmed people. Not just police officers, other people who is armed killing unarmed and unarmed people. There is other very worrisome tendency that in uh, places where uh, there are kids in disadvantage, uh, there are more arrests when there is police inside the school buildings. When a high profile is a five-year-old who has autism, was having a fit, and uh, he ended up in, in prison. And the problem is that now he has a record, and this record is going to follow him until he's 18 and uh, there are many many steps that he will need to go through so this record may disappear or not from 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 his life so a five-year-old who is having a fit is arrested and now he has a record other uh, high profile year, uh, case 13 year old is demonstrated uh, demonstrating a, a physics a physics um, experiment there is a small explosion involving a plastic bottle inside the the school and she's taken to the she's arrested because of having a bomb basically uh of course the charges were ridiculous and and taken away but now she has a record and this record uh may not be taken away when she becomes 18 so every time she needs to be asked if she has been arrested, probably she will need to uh, say, yes, I have been arrested, and then uh, go through why you were arrested. Yeah, because I popped a soda can, no, a soda can, um, a soda bottle uh, for my, my uh, physics experiment. So other nonsensical solutions have been like putting just one door in the schools. And that ignores fire hazards, of course. Arm all the teachers in the school have beautiful ballistic blankets in the school, like beautiful ballistic blankets, and much more. So what can be done? So we know uh, in 1993, a government-funded study was published in the New England Journal of Medicine and demonstrated that gun ownership was a risk for homicide at home. So the presence of a gun was a risk for homicide at home. Uh, this study and a few others uh, created a reckoning from the NRA and after lobbying in 1996, all funding to study, to study gun violence has been froze by the federal government. After the massacre in Sandy Hook, this was revisited but with no avail. So what other problem has been discussed and investigated like a public health problem? And this is a car problem. So car accidents have been studied in, by years by the government and NIH, etc. And ha this has led to great advancements in safety. Today, we can even think about using our cars without a seatbelt. And all cars have an airbag. Also, cars in America need to comply with standards of safety. 
If you want to operate a car, you need a license and you need to be trained. You need insurance. And this is interesting because you need insurance, right? Insurance companies know that kids or people between 18 and 25 years old, they have a significantly higher risk or of having a reckless behavior or engaging in reckless behavior. It's just the nature of that age. So kids have a higher risk of engaging in reckless behavior. Therefore, insurance policies are higher if you are younger than 25. Renting a car is more expensive if you are younger than 25. For the same reason, what can we do as physicians? And, uh, well, physicians still are one of the most educated people in society. We endure years and years and years of training, learning everything from physics, uh, statistics, social sciences, before we learn our craft. To my opinion, we may lack a voice or a public square, um, and um, we also lack a little bit of leadership, or more than a little bit. And of course, there are efforts uh, usually associated to uh, some editorials from the AMA, the American College of Physicians, uh, but nothing that I can see more than that. Um, So... Sometimes we need to think about uh, leading from the grassroots. And I want to cite uh, uh, the German physician Rudolf Virchow. He, he was born 200 years ago. He is the discoverer of mycobacterium tuberculosis. And he was certain that disease was a reflection of societal failures. And he claimed medicine is a social science and politics nothing but medicine at a larger scale. Vircott said, uh, saw physicians as natural attorneys for the poor and view social problems as their responsibility. Addressing issues raised by the Industrial Revolution, he wrote, shall the triumphs of human genius serve no other aim than making the human race miserable? So shall all our improvements and, and great advancements make uh, the human race miserable? And, well, that's that's a very good question, and, and, and we should reflect on that. Well, now I'm going to jump again in another topic, NRA and physicians. So between 2014 and 2018, uh, many brave position papers had, uh, in studies were uh, published, some in Annals of Internal Medicine, and after that edition of Annals of Internal Medicine, the NRA tweeted, Someone should tell the self-important anti-gun doctors to stay in their lane. Half of the articles in Annals of Internal Medicine are pushing for gun control. Most upsetting, however, the medical community seems to have consulted no one but themselves. Again, most upsetting, however, the medical community seems to have consulted no one but themselves. So some of the titles in that issue of Annals of Internal Medicine were uh, Public Perceptions of Firearms and Non-Firearms-Related Violence Death in the United States, a National Study, What Can I Do as a Physician to Prevent Firearms Injury, Expanding the Public Health Approach to Gun Violence Problem, Reducing Firearm Injuries and Deaths in the United States. So now I have a question. 
who should be responsible of studying the effects of marketing guns to everyone in America the way that is being done now. The industry that manufactures gun and makes money of it, the NRA that promotes gun and makes money of it, or politicians that also makes money of it? That's, that's a very good question. And physicians should have a voice. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy wrote in 2019 about the need for physicians to be guardians of integrity. People will accuse us for, of being political. But if people accuse you of being political because you are standing up for the people who can't stand for themselves, then you should do it anyway because that is at the heart of our profession. Would you feel safer if everyone is with a gun? And that's the next question here. So let's say that now we have in a dystopian world where everyone has a gun. Everyone. So now, do you need to wear a bulletproof vest and, I don't know, other garment and a helmet every day? Would you be able and uh, would like to go shooting uh, and training every so often so you can keep your skills up? Because somebody can actually shoot you. Should our kids or loved ones go through this and be in the supermarket and have the fear that at any moment a gunman with an assault rifle will decide that they need to be killed? So what is the solution? Is there a solution at all? Well, for starters, yes. Sensible gun ownership needs to be implemented. There must be someone, of course, there must be someone somewhere uh, who can prove that uh, the need of a defensive weapon or a hunting weapon. However, is there any need for a military-grade weapon in our day-to-day life? What is the solution then? Um, Well, this is a very American problem. When compared to peer nations, America is a country with more mass shootings and more gun violence. 90% of Americans agree that firearms need to be regulated. A ban on assault rifles seems justified. A ban on selling guns to people less than 25 years old seems also logical. It is interesting that the Congress, the Supreme Court, and federal buildings don't allow you to carry guns inside. After many presidents have been assassinated by guns, the Secret Service does not allow, allow a gun near the president. It is obvious that they see the problem. Someone willing to use a gun has one. The Second Amendment. The Second Amendment reads, A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So this is a whole sentence. It starts with a well-regulated militia. And the, 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 the word well-regulated is there. It is the, intended for the security of a free state. The rights of the people seems that, that is associated to a well-regulated militia that is necessary for a free state. It's, it's not like, um, let's just give guns to everyone and uh, let's let's just give uh, mass uh, mass shooting guns to everyone and assault rifles to everyone. Well, even if big societies of medicine are, are not using their voice to decisively tackle this problem, we have the power of the vote. 
we also can call our representatives, we can unite our voices, and not just the physicians, but all practitioners who believe in a better world with less guns. I'm positive we can make a difference with our voices and actions. I hope never hear the good guy with a gun again. The good guy with a gun is a fairy tale that works in less than 10% of cases and is like we want to use a drug or a treatment from the past that we know that doesn't work, like use leeches in medicine. I mean, they kill a lot of people, then they kill more people than they cure. But of course, someone got better, and now we want to make a case that someone got better. Um, in today's episode, I have not played music or any sound effect to respect for the victims of a, a mass shooting and all the victims from gun violence. Follow us on Twitter and play the Danbury Medical Files in your favorite podcast provider. This is Christian Espana Schmidt, and thank you again for being here.